fellas? Am I am I like in bizarre world? Because this is a weird week. I, is it is it just me, or is our Charlotte Hornets actually in the national news more than the Carolina Panthers? Are we getting ESPN attention? Is it what, what's going on here, fellas? It's the Lamelo effect. Is it? Yeah. So. My first question is, can LaMelo play middle linebacker? For- Never mind. We're not going to get into that right now. Anyway, Raquel, Gastonia, Charlotte, 704. Welcome back to this latest installment of Under Construction. I am your host, Jamal, the angry black fan, Darby. To my top right, we got Kaiser Sose in the building. What's going on, sir? Feeling good to be a Charlotte sports fan for once. No doubt. And to my top left, we got Rodney, Rob Pops Richardson in the building. What's happening, brother? Nothing, man. Just smoking some meat. <laughs> Are we invited? Oh, never mind. Don't answer that. Nah, anyway, man. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't work like that yet. Kazi, you see how you do us, man. But anyway, man, we are here celebrating. Say it again. Y'all got a vaccine? I got some vitamin C, man. That's good enough, right? I got, a, I got some vitamin C in the mask. That'll work, right? No. Uh, <laughs> not, not quite. <laughs> All right, guys, we are not here talking about meat. We are talking about the Carolina Panthers' victory <laughs> of the Detroit Lions, 20 to nothing, in a game where it was P.J. Walker time. Teddy Bridgewater out with uh, was out today, and we all had P.J. Walker starting at quarterback. Rodney, what are your impressions of P.J. Walker first? Man, I, I, I love the way that he played today uh, outside of those uh, two boneheaded throws. Um, the, the ball placement and location was 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 on point. He, he he gave his receivers time to run down the field. Uh, we actually saw a pass uh pass thirty yards on the field today, so that was a, <laughs> that was a plus. Uh, man, it's in it, it, the defense seemed like they played inspired today. I, yeah. I don't want to read too much into it, but uh, we're gonna get to that really soon, man. Trust me, there's a lot to talk about this defense today. PJ Mahomes look good. <laughs> Kaiser, what are your thoughts on Mr. P.J. Walker's performance today? I mean, to be his very first NFL start, I'm, I'm impressed. Really, yeah. just only two bad throws on the whole day, and they ended up not costing us the game. Um, but everything else looked good. He ran the offense well, which raises a lot of questions about uh, Joe Brady's scheme and mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater you know, being the quarterback of the future. I mean, now, granted, the Detroit Lions are trash, man. I mean, God, dang. Yeah. I mean, God, dang. Shut up. Shut, you got shut out by the God, damn. You got shut out by a team that hadn't forced a punt in four weeks. So, look, look, just wow. to ask – just to add some context to the Detroit Lions, man, surprisingly, they are 17th in the league in total offense. They are 30th <laughs> in the league in total defense. Now, P.J. Walker today was 24 for 34, 258 yards, uh, 7.6 yards average, 77.8 uh, QBR. Now, of course, those two uh, you know, bad interceptions are going to affect that, that QBR, but I think it's pretty easy to see, man. That arm talent is most certainly there, man. Yeah. Like, the dude can throw – look, at times – it, it, you know, it was a bit inconsistent. I think, you know, a lot of those throws were just kind of miscommunications and timing, you know, when it came to him and uh, uh, the receivers. 
but you can definitely see the arm talent in it. And and there's you know going forward, man, I, this this guy obviously has a spot on this roster. You know what I mean? So guys, let me ask you a question. So what happens with Mr. Will Greer? So the white courtesy phone in the locker room is going to ring. And uh, Mr. Herney should pick up the phone and have a long conversation with Mr. Greer and say, hey, you know, hey, man, it, it was nice knowing you, man. Good luck, good luck to your future endeavors. Hey, practice squad pay the bills. So, <laughs> you know, he, he ain't going to start to death on the practice squad. No, but but speaking of that, Rodney, man, like last week you made mention of, you know, just being in this spot that we're in, being that this was an audition, you know, yeah. for both of those guys with Bridgewater being out. I mean, to me, man, Pete, I'm not going to say flying colors because of the mistake, but I mean, by all accounts, he passes the audition. You know what I mean? And I just, based on what we've seen from Will Greer, I don't see any room for him. I mean, I mean today we learned that, 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 that PJ is at least a competent backup. We still need to see more, but we know that we have our, I, I guess, pecking order right now. Let me, let me guys ask you a question. Next week, Teddy comes back. Should he play? Should he start? If he's healthy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Guys, what you got on that? Yeah, you know, you shouldn't lose your starting job because of injury, especially a minor one. But I do have to wonder if PJ had the same amount of time in the playbook in – uh, you know, time with the receivers. What I mean, how much different would he really look from Teddy? I mean, honestly, I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't. I haven't seen Teddy do anything that I that PJ Walker. I don't think could do. Now, granted, we're just basing this off one game, but right. I Walker looked like he had some touch on his passes. I mean, the only bad thing he did was two bad decisions. Yeah. I, didn't, I mean, otherwise. I, I you know I, I got to think if this guy gets some time if he had time with the first team offense like Teddy does, um, is there a drop off? And I don't think there is, and I think that's going to be an interesting conversation to have in the off season. I yeah. I, I now you know we got to make sure we we're not going full Cal Allen fan here. Like, let's, yeah. not, let's make sure we're not doing this, okay? Yeah, rip up those Chevy Caprices. <laughs> Kyle Allen had the advantage of uh, of a solid Panthers defense last season. The Panthers defense won great last season, but they still had Luke Keekley. Uh and they they were solid enough to win those games. You really can't say that about the Panthers defense this season. They had some bright spots, but um, I you know I, I really think that this week was a combination of a few things. One, the Lions are bad. Who the offense did their job. It, all the things the offense weren't able to do, uh, convert third downs, score in the red zone, for the most part they were able to do. All the things the defense couldn't do, um, convert third downs, um, get pressure on the quarterback, they were able to do. And all of those things came together for a Panthers win this week. That is a great segue to what I wanted to ask. Guys, What I, listen, before I ask my question <clears> – <throat> I went back and forth with myself all game, and I was trying to ask myself, from last week to this week, did the Panthers' defense really improve that much, or are the Lions just that bad? Before I share my thoughts, I wanted to get what you guys think think on that. I mean, it's 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 a combination of both. Um, Matt Stafford was if, if he coming in with the injury, and then uh, 
last week it was reported that Shaq Thompson got in the ass in the locker room, rightfully so. Right. And um, that kind of fired those guys up. Uh, you had uh, Troy Pride starting today, so so he kind of knew his role. Uh, you had two hobbled Panthers out the lineup, Jackson and uh, Whitehead, who got replaced at, at, at their starting position. So there, there, there was a little more certainty going into this game. And uh, shout out to Phil Snow for the game plan, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I saw some blitz packages he he dialed up in the second half, man. And man, li listen, my, I, you, you would have saw like hearts move around my head, man. It was beautiful. Like some of the heat he was bringing on Stafford. I was like, where has this been all season? But Kaiser, what did you think about the defense today? Yeah, no, I agree, Rodney. I mean, I don't think we saw a single three-man rush today. Um Matt Stafford, who granted isn't he's not the same Matt Stafford that was throwing for five thousand yards, uh, you know, all those years ago, but he's still a capable NFL quarterback. Man, he looked uncomfortable out there. Oh, Jack, Jack Thompson looks kind of fired up, almost like he's, yeah. you know, if what we hear about the locker room from last week is true, then maybe he's finally said, "Look, I got to step up and be the leader." And Brian Burns, oh my God, my goodness, man, my, my goodness. God. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like he he's finally figured out that just his speed can't get him to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's got to combine that that talent and ability with other ways, and it's working. And even if he wasn't able to get the sack, he was just in the backfield all day today. Um, I, I think it's, it it can be you you just cannot discount the fact that the Lions aren't that good, but the defense certainly looked. Really good. Okay. Jermaine Carter, his first hit, he lays the wood on dude like bow. And I'm like, man, I'm glad Whitehead is not out there. Man, speaking of Brian Burns, man, I think it was one of his last sacks, or maybe the last sack he got. <clears throat> and I heard the announcer kind of mention something to the effect of that, like there was some move Brian Burns did. And I'm gonna mess up, you know, what he said, but Something to the effect of he kind of he kind of ducked the guy. Shoulder, yeah. Shoulder, yeah, yeah, right, right. And to your point, Kaiser, man, if we see Brian Burns put that together consistently, oh. I, look, look, they fit him for the Hall of Fame jacket. If, if that guy puts it together like that weekly. Especially considering we forget that he comes from the Ron Rivera era. He was drafted to play when when they when the Panthers were transitioning to a three four defense, um, and that's what he played in at Florida State. So he's had to make a transition uh, the last two seasons from playing, uh, you know, an outside linebacker pass rusher to okay now now your hands in the dirt pass rusher. And a lot of people felt like he was a little too light to do that. But this season, he's proved that, nah, he can get to the, the pass rusher, and especially with Derrick Brown coming in and having a great year. Yeah. Middle. Man, if, if the Panthers can get one more guy to bolster that line, I'm, I'm excited uh, for what it will look like. And, 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 and last week, I, I, was, I, was, I forgot what I was listening to. Uh, Phil Snow was like, yo, Brian Burns, he, he's, he's been there. A couple of times this year, yeah, he couldn't finish it, mm -hmm. and he's like, he's gonna have that breakthrough game, and 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 I think today was that breakthrough. 
Uh, and to your point, Rodney, you know, like like last week, like you said, man, he he got there a couple of times and just didn't finish it. And you can see, you could clearly see the frustration in his face last week. Of course, all the guys are frustrated for different reasons, but Brian Burst in particular, you, you know, he was in the backfield a lot, but he just couldn't quite get to Brady. And to your point, man, he he actually started finishing some of these plays today, man. And that's just a part, a part of putting it all together for Brian Burns. You know what I mean? So if he does that, man, sky is the absolute limit, man. So uh, I noticed here, man, what a difference a week makes in this regard. So we came into this week historically being one of the worst third down defensive teams <laughs> in history. <laughs> today, we held the Lions to three of 14 third down conversions, man. Now, guys, I have not mentioned this enough, but it does not happen in the NFL a lot. We shut the Detroit Lions out. Not down, but out. Out. How much do you put a, how much of this do you put on the Lions being bad and Matthew Stafford's injury? Do we do we deserve props for this? We deserve look, it's the Lions can be bad, but bad teams usually score week to week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an XFL coach. I mean, that, that's that's just what it is. But we're, I mean, I mean we we have to give these kids some credit, man. Like Gross Matos, uh, FA Obata, those young guys were teeing off, pushing them, pushing those blockers back, making Matt Stafford life hell. I mean, I I I can't discredit the effort that that, that I actually saw today, man. You still got to get that, get out there and play. Yeah. Kyle, yeah, what you got? Shout out in the NFL should always be applauded. This is the National Football League. This is the highest level uh, of American football on the planet to, to pitch a shutout. Only seven shutouts in franchise history as well. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think you, you got to give a lot of credit to the defense, particularly when a lot of people said that the defense was, you know, the, the issue – with the Panthers this season. Not sure what that is. <laughs> oh, that's that's my that's my ESPN tab showing highlights of, uh, of us beating up on you. <laughs> All right, we, 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 we got some we got some background music going on here on the construction, right. but it but but it but it's all it's all good, man. So uh I want to get back to PJ Walker real quick, man. And I think one thing that that was kind of glaring to all of us was the involvement of DJ Moore. DJ Moore had clearly his best game of the season, man. Guys, what is this? What is this going to look like when Teddy Bridgewater comes back next week? <laughs> we got to see. <laughs> we got to see. QB's got their favorite guys. Yeah, Robbie Anderson is Teddy's guy, and I, we'll probably go back to seeing more heavy Robbie. Whereas, uh, you know, DJ Moore was Cam's guy. And I think DJ Moore, he, he one, one of the things he actually does very well is he run, he's a good route runner. He, he mm-hmm. can get open. So, you know, a lot of times, especially if you got like PJ, you don't know the, the playbook too well. You've only probably got one or two reads really that you're making. You're looking at DJ. And, in fact, the uh, first interception he threw was because he was staring down DJ, waiting for him uh, to get open. So I think next week we'll probably see a more balanced uh, – Teddy, I'll say that about Teddy. He's been a lot more balanced with distributing the ball between 
the, the three wide receivers. Neither guy seems to like tight ends. And who could blame him? Because, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I've been throwing to me out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Guys, guys, one thing that stood out to me today, we ran the ball 34 times. I noticed that. But. Is that really surprising? I, and look, we, we we all we all for the most part liked what we saw, you know, out, out of PJ Walker. But I'm pretty sure, you know, the 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 coaches got together and said, "All right, look, man, we got a rookie QB." Um, you know, the the at coming into the game, the Lions were a pretty decent offense, so I'm pretty sure they said, you know, hey, let's slow down this game, let's 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 slow down the tempo of this game, and let's let's grind it out, let's pound it out. You look at the score. And, my, and a, a friend of mine brought up a good point. Now, this score could have easily been 31 to zero, okay? <laughs> but because of two bad throws, you know, we have 20 to zero. And I felt, and, and, and to your point, we actually won the time of possession game. So I, I believe the game plan was perfect around that. I think that was by design. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. Because if you're, if you're the coaching staff, in case you're missing your starting quarterback, you're missing your all pro starting running back. Uh, your O line is banged up. You're probably thinking, okay, we're going to keep it simple on offense for PJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably literally only got the first two pages of the playbook. And, and a lot of the stuff they, they ran was, was pretty basic, honestly. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to run the ball. We're going to play the time of. Possession battle, and I think I did that where what I think they did that well. I think the coaching staff did a pretty good job. There's still some areas they need to show up. Their timeout clock management really it's still bad. <laughs> really it's bad. Um, penalties, they really suck at that. The Panthers are still a little bit undisciplined. Matt Rule's got to shore those things up uh, if he wants the Panthers to be competitive going on the next season. So there's a um so we have we have someone in the chat room who says <laughs> the defense basically looked a whole lot looked brand new without number fifty two to hear to Whitehead. So before I got before I ask you this question, guys, I'm gonna tell you what I did notice. At the very least, it was so cool to not see a middle linebacker completely miss gaps, completely miss assignments, kind of had awareness on the field. And this is the question I ask myself while I'm while I'm witnessing all this today. Why in the world has Jermaine Carter not been the starter all this time, seeing that he's had a longer tenure with this team this whole time? What are your thoughts on that, guys? To hear Whitehead is Matt Rule's guy. He played for Rule at Temple. And <laughs> When you come in, when you come into a new position as a coach, you need somebody that 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 kind of knows your program to kind of set that tone in the locker room. And I think Whitehead was that guy. And honestly, it wouldn't look that great benching him the first two weeks of the year, right? <laughs> really trying to set that tone. I'm just being honest. That's what I think. Yeah, and no, I, I get you. No, I agree with that. That was rules guy. Uh, he probably felt like he could get something out of him. Um, also, we know that the Panthers, uh, very young defense, youngest in the league, and they really kind of lack veteran leadership. And Tamir Whitehead, or he's a he's a veteran, 
Uh, and they probably felt like he could he could bring that to the defense. Unfortunately, you also have to bring the ability to tackle and actually play defense as well. And uh, Whitehead just couldn't – he just couldn't deliver. Not – like I said, it's only one game, but mm-hmm. there was already a difference with Jermaine Carter. That first hit, I thought Whitehead wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. He, he would have missed that gap completely. So um, I'd be – Honestly, I'd be surprised if Whitehead got his starting role back. Um, like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of players losing their starting jobs due to injury, but sometimes injury can give the coaching right. It gives the coaching staff an out. Say, well, we brought Jermaine Carter in because you were injured, and he really performed, you know, above our expectations. So he's going to be the starter going forward. So yeah. it, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I want I want something in particular I wanted to ask you guys. What what did you guys notice differently about this game plan uh this week? Because you know, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't and, and this is just my observation. My observation may be a little off, but I kind of feel like with Tampa Bay, we were all over the place because we couldn't find anything to stop them, to 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 keep it simple. Um, I think with the Detroit Lions, we were pretty much aggressive throughout. We were we were sending heat pretty much the entire game. And I and I think I saw less man coverage. I could be wrong about that, but I wanted to know if you guys kind of observed the same thing. I'm, I'm, Detroit is, no, is notorious not for having a a good running game. And so to me, you you were able to kind of tee off a little more yeah. because you, you kind of knew the pass was coming. Right. Matt, Matt Stafford drops back a lot to pass the ball. So that – that's what I saw a little different. We were just just attacking a little more. Mm-hmm. Now I think on both sides of the ball, the Panthers were a little bit more aggressive. We talked about how they had a lot of clock control and ran the ball a lot, but we talked about this. We were texting back and forth during the game, but the the depth of the throws was mm-hmm. was there. There was a difference. We're only talking maybe three yard difference, but it was a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Lions couldn't come down and play the line of scrimmage because they were going to get beat by DJ Moore, um, you know, behind the zones. Uh, so that makes a difference. And, you know, defensively, they were much, much more aggressive. And I get, you know, I think Phil Snow was kind of figuring out, okay, I don't have the personnel to just play coverage and rush for. I got to, I got to sell out, which mm-hmm. defensive coordinators don't like to sell out because you get burned, but you're losing games anyway. You're letting other teams score points anyway. I would rather sell out on the blitz and get burned rather than drop eight guys in the covered and get burned. Yeah, it's it's funny you mention that, man, because I kind of feel like in the second half, like the the Lions kind of made this putrid attempt to throw the ball downfield a little more like Tampa Bay did last week. But there's obviously clearly a discrepancy and personnel and talent when it comes to the Bucks <laughs> and, and, and and the Lions. So, you know, with, with Phil Snow's game plan, man, I thought it was probably good for this team. I don't know if this is, you know, this probably doesn't work maybe next week or or playing different teams, but at least work for this particular team. Ooh, next week is next week's Minnesota? Yeah. There's always something that happens. So, there's always just like some weirdness that happens whenever we play the Vikings. Uh, I don't know what I think about that game. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and, and 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 you also got to think about this too, man. 
you know, this team, we're in division with the Saints and the Bucks and the Falcons. Three good quarterbacks, three good offenses. You know, we got to play these guys twice a year. On top of that, we've played the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? We've played some pretty doggone top-notch top offenses. So I think that kind of speeds up the learning cover a bit. Am I, am I off on that? I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our division is tough. I mean, we got uh, two surefire Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, that we play against. And then, you know, Matt Ryan is still – he's still a good quarterback. Um, the Falcons offense with Julio Jones is always going to be a problem. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the learning curve has been accelerated. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, you don't really have any other – you don't have any other choice, I, you know, except to attempt to play to those guys' level. Yeah. All right. Speaking of that, guys, uh, let's start with offense. Who you got as the offensive MVP? I think this may be unanimous, but y'all might have something different. What you got? DJ Moore. Yeah. All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I gotta say DJ Moore, but I don't want people to forget that Curtis Samuel has quietly been yep. having a good past four or five weeks, and that continued this week. He's yeah. running all. He's man. Third, you know, remember when Jericho Cotri was here in camp? Cam Newton used to call him Clutchery because on third down, he was that, there. Yeah. that's Curtis Samuel this season. And man, that's a pretty good role to have. Yeah, by the way, Curtis Samuel, eight catches, 70 yards. Not a bad day, man. Um, I'm going to make this unanimous, man. DJ Moore, for obvious reasons, man, produced the most, uh, you know, uh, easily looks like PJ Walker's favorite target. We're going to go to the defense, man. Maybe, I don't know, maybe this uh, may be unanimous as well. <laughs> Oh, you know, Spider Man, defensive MVP, shout, shout him out. Yeah, Spider Man, uh, Brian yeah. Burns. I yeah. mean, impact plays. Although, <laughs> man, Jeremy Chin, man, that dude is a dog. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's yeah, everywhere. I'm excited to see him and in, in Derek Brown and Brian Burns out there for the next few seasons. Yeah. Rodney, you got anything different? Uh, <sighs> Brian Burns. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, this is not my defensive MVP. Let me be clear about this. But I do want to give someone a shout out on the defense because I have been extra hard on this dude all season. So I want to be fair and give him his props this week. Mr. Trey Boston. He played a good game yeah. today, man. I've been hard on him. We all have been hard on him this season. Yeah. And I got another honorable mention, man, just the burst. Yeah, no and doubt. Absolutely. Some two passes defended. Yeah. All right. Last thing well, with the Panthers uh, for this week, man. Well, mo actually looking forward to next week, man. Any predictions on the Panthers and Vikings game? Uh, do we? What, what, are your, what are your predictions on the game? 31-24 Minnesota. Kaiser, what you got? Oh, man. I, I'm, the Vikings are, are in the same boat that we are. So, I don't know. I can't call it. Okay. Okay. All right. I am going to say we win a very close game next week. Um, and I don't really care who's the quarterback, quite honestly. I don't really see a difference, man. I'm going to, I'm going to go Panthers uh, 28, Vikings 25 next week. So moving on to the most okay. popular team in Charlotte. <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets are making waves, gentlemen. 
In case anyone was under a rock, the Charlotte Hornets have signed forward Gordon Haywood to a four-year deal worth $120 million. Gordon Haywood, let me hold something, man. Man, so, guys, we got a lot to talk about with this, man. First question I have for you, what do you think about the deal itself? Who wants to take this one first? I'll start out, man. Um, Like the player. Think he fits on the team and what you're trying to do. I'm I'm terrified of that number. I don't like the number, but I understand it. You're Charlotte. You have a losing culture. You're gonna have to pay a little extra. Yeah. What you got? No. Yeah. I like the 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 move, the signing. I don't think anybody except Gordon Haywood likes the the actual (laughs) deal. Him and his agent are happy. I don't think anybody (laughs) likes the actual number only because that makes the risk that much greater. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, then you'll be like, man, think about the other free agents that we possibly could. Although not, nobody else is coming to Charlotte. That's a point. And that's another point I want to make. And we're going to we'll probably continue to reiterate that point. Nobody else is coming to Charlotte. Okay. Montrezl O'Hara is from North Carolina and he didn't even want to come here. He wanted to go play with LeBron in LA. So I think the Hornets felt like, man, if we just sit back this free agency period, which is what half the fans wanted us to do, then and we possibly miss out on a player that wants to come to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, imagine this. Y'all know what I'm going to say. Imagine Gordon Haywood doesn't sign the Hornets. Hornets don't go after him. And he goes and signs with, I don't know, pick a team. The uh, somebody in our division, the Washington Wizards. Let's let's say that. Yeah. Oh, and just lights it up, especially against us. Y'all know what the narrative would have been. Y'all. Been know. Been him? Yeah, man, Horns could have had him. He wanted to come here. Da, 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 da. So I'm a, I'm okay with the signing. The amount just makes the risk greater, uh, and it puts that much more pressure on Haywood to perform. For the most part, I'm not. I, I don't, and I don't think that um, a a lot of people feel like this stunts the rebuild. I completely disagree with that. What else needed to be done? We drafted well, two consecutive drafts. I don't care who, what people think. There's no way we're getting another top three pick next year. Everyone's like, man, next year's a loaded draft and we could have got a high pick. We got lucky to get the number three pick this year. We were a nine seed. You got to think the Hornets got better, even without Gordon Haywood, the Gordon Haywood signing. Right. I don't know why people think we would have necessarily been a lottery team again. So no, um, let, let, let me speak to that point real quick, man. So y'all y'all know a lot of people's favorite narrative is and, and, and there's and I'm not saying there's, you know, some degree of truth to this. Let me be clear about that. The and a lot of people are saying, oh, man, the Hornets love chasing the eighth seed and the seventh seed, blah, 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 blah. And, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, man, because a lot of people who don't pay attention to the Hornets have failed to realize that with the roster that we had last year, we ended up as a ninth seed. And to Kaiser's point, if you look at this roster on paper, there's nobody with a sound mind that's going to say the Hornets did not get better than we were from last season. So to that point, man, it's just like, are we at this point, how can you say we're just fighting for an eighth or seventh seed? It looks like we clearly want to be a better basketball team than we were last year. So how can we really be mad at that? 
I, I, I think a lot of people are upset because they were so kind of sold on like a a, re- a patient rebuild, like a like a Philly type of rebuild, like tear down everything like that. But at some point, you have to kind of go for it. I mean, you, not go for it, but you have to kind of capitalize on on, on on things that are available to you. Uh, next year is the loaded free agency class, and everybody said, like, oh, we want to have so-and-so and so-and-so amount of money next year and all this stuff. If, 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 if we couldn't pride Trez away, offering more money and probably more security, none of those top-tier free agents were coming to Charlotte in the first place. Yeah. And then next year, we're a lottery team still. Th- th- thank you. And, and then next year, we, we still have almost $20 million to actually spend next year. So the money isn't going anywhere right now. Um, we, I, I honestly think we still have a few moves to make, but I mean, yeah. I like where we are. Like this year, we're, this year we're going to see a lot of things like this year. Okay. We, we're going to have to make some, some like hard decisions soon. Like, okay. Is it PJ? Is it, is it miles? Uh, how much does Terry get paid? Like, Things are coming. Just, 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 just trust Mitch. I, I trust yeah. Mitch at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think also a lot of people look at the composition of the East and this next upcoming season. The East looks to be more competitive than it's been in a long, long time. But the problem is that it's still top heavy. So you probably got five teams in the East that you think could possibly win the East. Uh, Milwaukee. Boston, uh, Miami, maybe Philly, and then of course Brooklyn. But then after that, there's a there's a pretty steep fall off. And I think the Hornets said, "Okay, we're tired of being stuck in the middle with the Wizards, uh, the Knicks, the Bulls, uh, the Magic. Why don't we just leapfrog those teams?" And on paper, they have. No one can sit here and tell me that the Hornets aren't better than the other teams that are fight also fighting for the 7th and 8th seed. But the Hornets, in my opinion, if the Hornets make it a 6th seed, that's a huge success, and that's the the, the progress we should be trending uh, toward. Yeah. So uh, you, you have to – yeah, at some point you have to make the move. So w- one one thing that's that's been on my mind is, is the whole, you know, kind of discussion between patient rebuild versus – I don't know. I, I'm not going to say contending, but at least competing now. Okay. How much of this speaks to impatience? Like, how much of this speaks to Michael Jordan ultimately saying, you know what? I'm tired of uh, a lottery picks. I'm, I'm tired of not being relevant. I at least just want to be in the dance. Like, is there see, merit to that? See, this is my thing. This year is, is going to be a little different. This year they they they, they agreed to those playing games, and so all we gotta do is make it to the ten seed. Mm-hmm. We're in the playing game, yeah. And then on top of that, rebuilding rebuilding is cool, but it's it's really really hard to rebuild in a small market. Charlotte, and it's not and it's not foolproof. It's it's not foolproof, and Charlotte is a fickle ass fan base. The fans want a rebuild. But they don't want to pay to come see the rebuild. And church, point, church, ta- church, tabernacle, the organs are blaring. But go ahead, sir. And, 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 then, and then at some point, 
you can't keep hemorrhaging money and not trying to go for you. You, you. you have to get the fans something to be excited about at some point. We're excited about LaMelo Ball. Hey, we, we got this new toy in Gordon Haywood. Uh, P.J. Washington looked really, really good last year. Hey, man, Devontae could possibly be a six-man-of-the-year candidate, or or, 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 or he, could, he could bring us an asset in later. Like, it's it's you, you have to build that excitement. Like, you can't just be, like, bottom-level team. Like, people always reference Philly. People yeah. don't realize Philly is one of the top ten markets in the NBA. Philadelphia is a big-ass place. Philadelphia yeah. right by New York City. Philadelphia has loyal fans who have been fans since before you and your daddy were born. <laughs> like, not only that, history. not only that, Rodney, but people tend to forget, you know, as far as the Philadelphia 76ers whole thing, they haven't really done anything. I, like, of course, See, they're, in, of course they're in the conversation. They're in the conversation. But what have they really done for the talent that they've supposedly stacked? Am I, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, my, my question to those people is always, well, how long if, if, if we're if the Hornets are being impatient? How long should they be patient for? Because right. Philly, to use the Philly example, took six years for them to get knocked out of the second round. Really? That, that's my point. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's at some point you, you and here and we all know winning cures all. Nothing else matters except winning. Winning. Yes. Or who you draft. None of that matters if you win. And the Hornets are in a position to where they say, hmm, we can make our roster better in win we start winning games people start coming to games then free agents will say hmm maybe i want to go play for them because they're a winner even though they're in charlotte north carolina or, or, or maybe i could be that missing piece to right. get them over that home the idea that the home should just sit back and keep drafting and keep drafting until what happens until we luck upon you know First of all, people that use Golden State as an example don't know anything about basketball. Golden State got lucky and drafted the best shooter in the history of the NBA. If you are inclined, no, 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 Plaza, make sure, make sure, make sure you're clear about this. They oh, they got him because the Minnesota Timberwolves decided to take Ricky Rubio and something named Johnny Flynn back to back before Steph Curry. Make sure you mention that part. Exactly. Yes. The- <laughs> The Golden State Warriors got extremely, extremely lucky and got a future unanimous MVP and a game changer, and that led them to their current winning culture. So if you're implying that the Hornets need to do that, that's ridiculous. Um, Now, if you're saying, okay, well, they just need to at least draft well, develop solid talent, and then – and then bring in a free agent. Well, they've kind of done that, haven't they? They've kind of done that. And and here's the thing, man, like, you know – Contracts aside, because I'm not, we're not going to say act like Gordon Hayward didn't get a big number. Let, let's be clear about that. But contracts aside, what I what I ultimately want the Hornets to prove is that there are other ways of bending, of building a contender other than just pretty much tanking. I mean, for lack of a better term, pretty much just being in the lottery every year. There's there's different ways to build. There are more teams that it has not worked out well. The Sacramento Kings, one of them. The Minnesota Timberwolves, one of them. The Phoenix Suns, after 14 years, God bless them, just got relevant. That didn't work for them for 14 years. So it is, it, it is, there it's are other ways to get there. I think it's very telling that the Phoenix Suns went and got Chris Paul. 
And that move has been praised to the high heavens. <laughs> but we're going to get Gordon Hay- and And don't get it twisted. Chris Paul's contract wasn't cheap either. Okay. So I, you know, I don't, Chris Paul off injured, which is an argument, and it's a fair argument that people make about the about Gordon Haywood as well. Ever since his major injury, he's had a rash of smaller injuries. And I, I think that, that that is a actually a fair point. The, the, um, the narrative that okay, you paid that much for someone who is it who is injured a lot and had never never lived never lived up or lived up to fair point but what we saw from Haywood his last season in Boston which he started all 52 games before getting injured in the playoffs there was an upward trend he was yeah. like the yeah. option on that team averaging 17 5 7 and 4 right well who on the Hornets is averaging 17 5 7 and 4 who well, Kaza, you bring me to you bring me to another point that I I, I want to make. That is a good segue to the next thing I want to say. Whoever may be watching this chat, and Rodney, I'm glad you're coming back for this one, buddy. Whoever may be watching this chat, whoever may be listening to this podcast, however you are receiving this information, if you are a person who compares Gordon Haywood to Nick Batum. <laughs> Do yourself a favor and do not ever attempt to discuss basketball with anybody else who pays attention to the sport. There are a couple of reasons why. Number one, we've already discussed why the deal itself should not handicap the Hornets the way the Nick Batum deal handicapped the Hornets, mainly because we don't have a bunch of untradeable guys on this roster like we did during the Nick Batum, Kimball Walker era. That is one thing. Number two, there's one guy who does not give a damn about basketball anymore. There's another guy who is out to prove himself that he can be the main guy and he's worthy of the contract. They are not the same person. Mm -hmm. They don't produce the same. Gordon Haywood has had a clearly better career than Nick Batum. Stop it. Stop it now. Stop it. Gordon Haywood and Nick Batum are not the same guy. Agree. <laughs> Plain and simple. Agree, man. It's 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 like people forget. Like Gordon was was once an all star in the Western Conference when he was with Utah. Like the West is loaded. Like mm. this this is the like this is like the Golden State Warrior era that they yeah, yeah. loaded into the All Star game. Right. He. And, and, and then I, I I I get upset when people bring up the injury history. Okay, somebody said something. He in the past three years he missed 111 games. If you subtract like that that year that he missed what 81 games, games. It, it, it's 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 just like he he okay he has some nagging injuries this year and last and last year, but when he has played he has been productive, especially as a third option. Yeah, I, the Nick Batum comparison is super crazy. Gosh, it's, it's it. People just say it because um, um, ah, someone brought up a good point. The Hayward deal is up when Melo's rookie contract would be ending. Hmm, that's an interesting, interesting uh, factoid there. But uh, yeah, Nick Batum. It, first of all, the, the context is different. We re-signed Nick Batum to 
to keep him. We didn't like acquire him from somewhere else. We acquired Nick Batum in a trade from Portland and he played pretty well, well yeah. enough for us to say, okay, we're going to give you a big deal because the free agent market, ev everyone wanted Nick Batum. Everyone, everyone forgets that. Everyone wanted Nick Batum. The Nick Batum deal only looks bad in hindsight because of the kind of player he turned into. Right, he, right. He just to a guy that, that didn't care. Do you, does anyone really think that Gordon Hayward, who is re recovered from a potentially career-ending injury, is never gonna not is like be like All right, I don't care? Listen to that point, man. Like that injury was so gruesome. If he did not care, he wouldn't even put in the work no. to come back from that because that's how gruesome yeah. that injury was. So that that itself speaks to the character of Gordon Haywood and how much he actually cares about his craft. But I didn't mean to cut you off, bro. No, no, no. You know, that's that's all I want to say. I, I don't. The, the Nick Batum contract comparison is is terrible, mainly because you know we just don't know. We, we don't know what's going to happen, with Gordon Hayward. He could it it could blow up in the Hornets' faces. Mm -hmm. um, but, or it could be it. It could work out. He could be a, a you know a good player for the Hornets. It's it's that that's just a back and forth. Just I, I'll speak to the risk involved with it. And the thing is, you know, the 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 one thing about the deal that I don't like that a lot of people don't like, which is fair, is the length of the deal. Now, if this is a two year deal, I, I you know who who cares ultimately? You get what I'm saying. We are talking about four years. We are talking about him being 34 years old at the end of that deal. So it is a fair concern about the length of it. But at the same time, man, I, you know, again, I want to mention this again. It, this is not the same situation as the Kimball Walker era. Because if y'all, if we all remember, especially, you know, between the transition of Rich Cho and Mitch Kupchak, Michael Jordan gave every blessing to both GMs to go get better. He said, whatever you got to do to make this roster better, go for it. But guess what, guys? It couldn't happen. The reason why it couldn't happen, because you got a bunch of guys that nobody wanted. Sure. We're not in the same situation now. We've seen that already. You get what I'm saying? All the trade rumors that are going floating around about Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, whatever. Okay? We actually have assets. And I don't think this deal is actually going to stop us acquiring more assets and getting guys who can ultimately be traded. Yeah, clearly the Hornets are active. Mitch Mitch knows what he's doing, probably more yeah. so than Cho did. It's important to note that Cho was an assistant GM who got hired on as a Hornets uh, GM. Mitch Kupchak is Mitch Kupchak. You know, he's won championships yeah. with the Lakers, you know, <laughs> the great team <laughs> of the last 20 years. Hello. Um, yeah, so he knows what he's doing. He's out there wheeling and dealing, and and his challenge is much greater because he's in Charlotte instead of L.A. And the fact that he's able to do things that Rich Cho was not yep. able to do ever, I think, says a lot for uh, the, the the job that, that he's doing. If you had told me last season that we were going to get a number three pick and pick up, you know, Lamella Ball, who you know, a player who has uh, more potential maybe than anyone in the draft and then get Gordon Hayward even after an injury and then still have cap space and possibly sign a free agent big man, either Hassan Whiteside or Boogie Cousins, I would have been like, man, you crazy. Now, I will say this. Now, speaking of, of uh, you know, Hassan Whiteside rumors, I, I even tweeted this morning that the signs were kind of pointing to Hassan Whiteside being linked to Charlotte. 
I kind of think that's dead now. I, I because of in which is a good segue to what we was about to say. Bismack Biombo did resign with the Hornets. That has, that has been made official. Uh, the terms of that deal has, have not been disclosed. Um, real quickly, man, what do y'all think about Biz coming back? And and also, I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on us missing out on Harry Giles, which a, a, a chat uh, group member just pointed out. Um, I, I guess not being in pursuant of that big man that our fan base wanted. What do you think about the whole Biz situation? Um, from reports, he, he's a good locker room person. Uh, he, he helped kind of mentor Malik from what I heard. And if you're invested in Malik, signing Biz is probably a good business investment at this point. I mean, Biz is well-respected around the league, and also he is a – I think he's on the NBA Players Association. He's a mm -hmm. rep. Yeah, Biz has never been bad. It's just that his contract was way too large for his ability. True. You know, he had that, that great playoff run in Toronto and got paid off of that and <laughs> kind of living off that for the last few seasons. Um, yeah, like someone said, uh, Biz is a good hustler. He can rebound. He's a, a really good backup center. Uh, and now with the news that uh, Billy Hernan Gomez is, has signed with the Pelicans, um, that kind of opens up room for the, the rotation at the five. We can still bring – I think we can still bring uh, a guy in like Whiteside or Boogie, although I don't think those guys will end up coming here. Um, also, it's, it's going to depend on um, what Cody's – what they do with Cody Zeller. Cody yeah, Zeller. That, that's what I was going to say, man, because as it stands right now, of course we know the offseason is not finished yet. As it stands right now, Cody Zeller's on this roster. Uh, Nick Richards, the rookie that we drafted, is on this roster. And Bismack, Bismack Biombo's on his roster and, and Vernon Carey. So that's basically four guys who you can fit in the center. So I just wanted to make that point for you, man. De depending on where Cody goes depends on if we even decide to bring one of those guys in or not. The thing is, uh, uh, Cody and Biz, at, especially at this point in career, are serviceable backups. Yeah. You know, I don't think they they command the, you know, Cody's making 15 mil. Uh, and then uh, Bismack was making almost 25. Obviously, neither of them were worth that. But they're serviceable backups. Um, the Hornets fans don't want serviceable backups. Serviceable backups being the starter, though. And do you thrust Vernon Carrier, Nick Richards, into a starting role on a team that sorely needs um, a starting rebounder or rim defender? It's it's going to be it's that's yeah. And speaking of that, man, I think fans really need to pump their brakes on wanting these rookies to instantly be starters. And I'm speaking particularly of Vernon Carey and Nick Richards. We don't really know what we're going to get out of these guys yet, man. I, You know, uh, aside from college highlights and get, playing against college dudes, we just don't know what you get out of the end. So I just urge fans to slow down just a bit with, with Nick Richards and Vernon yeah, Carey, man. Fans, be prepared for Biz or Cody to be the starter next season. Absolutely. And look, look, you heard it here first, so don't be disappointed when it happens. But, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I don't think that's what anybody wants. But but I think we're we're so solid elsewhere now that um, as long as – if Bismack Biombo can get us nine rebounds a game, I don't care what else he does. He's yeah. Nine rebounds, two blocks, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. look, 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 nine, nine rebounds, two blocks, two dunks a game. I'm we're I think we're, we're good with that. Don't don't try to do too, too much, man. Right. I want to address some chat questions, man. Um, Ty is asking, 
uh, you know, Lamelo's basically saying he wants to bring leadership. Um, it's not time for a rookie to be a leader just yet. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would probably look, I mean, that's encouraging. Don't get me wrong. It's encouraging that, you know, young guy uh, has the confidence and wants to be a quote unquote leader, but it's just not time for that yet. So, and, so, so uh, let, let, let's address this question. Yeah. The top, the top black free agents don't like Charlotte as a city. Allen Iverson didn't even move to Charlotte until after his career ended. <laughs> It is it, it's insane that what don't want to play here. Okay, so Hassan Whiteside has stated that he wanted to come home because he's from Gastonia. Boogie, it, it, a, a lot of the fringes don't come here because the organization ain't won jack shit. That and, that's the real reason, and that that's pretty much the real reason. Uh, you look at Charlotte, black mayor, black police chief, black fire chief, black DA, black everything. Charlotte is almost forty percent black. Charlotte is blacker than Boston. <laughs> Charlotte is 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 a metro is black. Trust me. Yeah. And, and, and Rodney, go ahead, sir. And it's 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 not the question of like black fringes don't want to come here. You got to give them something to come here for. Right. Because think think about it like this, man. You know. I mean, um, I'm, 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 and, and, and then there was a prior question saying that that uh. Cedric Maxwell and other people around the country saying that we were doing that, doing basically signing Gordon Hayward to appease our white fan base. Nah, I mean, if 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 if, if you look at Lamelo Ball, I, I, when when he was drafted, the ticket sales went through the roof, the jersey sales went through the roof. Give get give us a viable star, yeah, <laughs> make us come. Yeah, and let me, I want to address like the free agents not coming in because of the city. I don't buy into that at all. Paul George went to Oklahoma City for God's sake. Oklahoma City, okay? I, look, I've never been to Oklahoma City. I'm pretty sure Oklahoma City is not a more popular city than Charlotte. I'm betting money on that, okay? So the point that I'm trying to make is it's more about organizational stability and do you have a better chance to win? Paul George saw that, you know, he he could, he had a better chance to win, which is why he did not reject the trade ultimately to OKC. So I don't think it's about the city of Charlotte, what have you. I think it's more so just about where what the organizational standing is basically i think it's a combination of factors i think it is the winning um which is what the hornet i think that's why the hornets have made the moves that they have made this offseason to say okay we gotta start putting some w's up on the board to increase our relevance relevance is probably more the, the most important thing and a lot of things give you relevance wins geographic locations and and a lot of people, and I say people in general, don't know anything about Charlotte. I worked, I don't work for this company anymore, but I worked for a company that relocated their entire workforce from Long Island, New York. They've only been in Charlotte the last seven or so years. And talking to those people, you know, the company paid for those people to relocate here. And they relocated them to the Davidson area. So not even Charlotte proper. I'm talking like these people like yeah. out on the lake now. The, the suburbs. Yeah. And these people, this one lady told me she didn't she didn't take the money to move here at first because she thought Charlotte was just farms, tobacco farms and cows. People still think of Charlotte that way. Someone on Reddit actually did a study that correlated James uh, Harden's performances with 
how strip good clubs. these strip clubs were. Charlotte had the worst rated strip clubs of all NBA cities. And thus, James Harden had the best performances of his career here at Charlotte. So I think it's 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 a a combination uh, of factors. I think if the Hornets win, they become relevant, and then people start realizing, oh, hey, Charlotte's actually a pretty decent city. Uh, because whenever professional athletes do come here, do they ever leave? No. Look, there, listen, there are a ton of retired NFL and NBA and NASCAR athletes that live in the Charlotte area. A ton. So but didn't want to come here when they got when we traded for Kobe, and he never left until he, and he <laughs> until he until he went to Sacramento. So until we got a job, yeah. Look, look, Robert Parrish lives here. Like Steve Smith Reg- ain't never leaving. <laughs> rest, in, rest in peace, Reggie White. He stayed here until his death. Like uh, Ty Law lives here. Uh, it's it's a lot, man. I, we can go on and on about that. Real quickly, guys. Real real quickly, USA Today. They gave out their draft grades for each team. Anybody want to take a wild guess who was at the top of that list? If you don't know, I will tell you. The Charlotte Hornets were number one on USA Today's draft grades within A+. The draft picks include LaMelo Ball, Nick Richards, Vernon Carey, Grant Riller. Guys, what do you think about us getting high praise in a draft? Are we used to this? <laughs> I mean, we got high praise for the draft that we picked. Uh, what, uh, it was the draft we picked PJ Hairston and uh, Noah Molle. <laughs> we got high praise for that draft. Yeah, but, that's uh, true. But we actually had to see the guys play. I, I'm, I'm actually intrigued with Nick Richards, man. Me yeah, too. He, Same. He, he's from Jamaica. He didn't start playing basketball until he was like 14. And each year he's been in Kentucky, he's gotten better, 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 better. And I'm intrigued by the athleticism and what we do with him. And before you go, Kaiser, uh, to that point, Rodney, you know, I think re-signing Bismack Biombo becomes that much more important for a guy like Nick Richards because he can learn directly from Biz. He may turn into what what we actually wanted from yeah, what right. we wanted Bismack Biombo to turn into. You know what I mean? So, Kaiser, what were you, what were you about no, to say? Natural seven footers are intriguing. It, it, it's really hard not to draft a natural seven footer because they're they're literally the rarest human beings on the planet. <laughs> I mean, there's I think uh, something like three, like point three percent of the population are, are seven footers. So to get a natural seven footer on your team um, it, it is is a great thing. I think the Hornets drafted well. They have drafted well every year. Mitch Kupchak has been GM. I don't think any Hornets fan can deny that, regardless of whether you like the picks or not. Uh, I mean, look at what Mitch is doing compared to what, what Cho was doing on draft night. It's yeah. it's night and day. It's, it's night and day. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the big thing is he's able to hit on picks that are high picks. I mean, if anyone said they thought Devontae Graham was going to average 18 and 7, you are a liar. You are right. a liar right. or a prophet. Um, if anyone thought that PJ Washington, I mean, they thought PJ Washington was going to the G League. Yeah, yeah. right. In his first game in the NBA, he scores twenty-seven points, and um, he makes his, and he makes the All Rookie Second Team. So. All Rookie Second Team. It's 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 clear that the Hornets' drafting poor drafting days are behind us, at least for. You know, Let, let's hope so. Let's cross our fingers, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I, 
Melo is going to be – He's he was the highest risk, highest reward pick of the draft, definitely. And here's, and here's the thing, and I'm already seeing this with everything that's happened this week. If it's a, if it's a move the fans like, Mitch. If it's a move the fans don't like, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> so if Melo ends up being a bust, that's Jordan's fault. It's Michael's fault, yes. If Melo is a superstar, man, Mitch Kupchak. Not Mitch, Mitch know how to draft him, man. <laughs> Hey, real, real quick points before we move on, man. I just want to say, man, I think Vernon Carey is the most intriguing draft pick we have. Not the best, but the most intriguing. He's, you know, somewhat local. He's a Duke guy. Um, he, he's, a, he's a big guy who, who lost some weight in the offseason. Uh, I think everyone is kind of in love with Vernon Carey's potential, man. So I think he's the most intriguing draft pick. Um, another another shot I want to make uh, is Grant Riller, uh, the, the point guard out of College of Charleston. Um, Mitch Kupchak said he that you know the, on their draft board they had him way higher than fifty six, and he kind of fell into their laps of fifty six. So they seem really excited about him as well. He was, uh, I think, the leading scorer in the Southern Conference. Man, um, don't know how he's going he's going to fit here because we have such a cluster of guards. He may spend some time in the G League, man, but it looks like it's a good prospect, man. So just wanted to shout him out, man. Uh, we'll answer one more chat question, man. Uh, the uh, question is, what is our prediction for LaMelo Ball? Let me take this one real quick since I'm already talking. I'll say I don't think LaMelo starts initially. And and now, granted, keep in mind, this is how the roster is shaped right now. Smoke in the city, though. <laughs> Let, no, listen, listen. I want to make this clear. This is based on how the roster is shaped right now because God knows in an hour it could be different because we don't know who's going to get traded or not. I don't think LaMelo starts instantly. Um, I think he's, he's you know, he comes off the bench for maybe the first time, maybe 10, 20 games or whatever, and eventually you kind of, you know, bring him along slowly. Um, I don't know about, like, any kind of like rookie of the year performance or anything like that. He's 19 years old. You got to be patient with the kid. So I'm not into like predicting numbers or awards or anything like that. I'll just say look out for a slow progression throughout the year. I'll answer the question like that. What do you guys think? I, I mean, I think I I think opening night he starts. I think he I think outside of Hayward, he's probably the second most talented person on the team. And I think they'll quickly realize like this guy is different <laughs> and they'll probably start him and Graham in the backcourt. Him Kim him kind of with the the ball handling duties, Graham playing off, just kind of alternating and Graham guarding the point guard, stuff like that. Could I tell you a real quick concern I have with that? What's if up? him and Graham start in the backcourt, they're they're probably gonna stick LaMelo on the two guards, and I'm scared to death of that. But that's neither hey, it's, it's hey, Borrego loves the those two ball two ball handler backcourts. Remember when Tony Parker was here? Uh, that won us games. It really did. I could see Borrego yeah. uh, tweaking that formula. My prediction for Mello, I think he does start. He's he's too big of a name to come off the bench, even 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 if that's the best thing for him. However, I will say with the addition of Gordon Haywood, Hayward. The Hornets have enough veteran presence to where it won't just be throwing Melo to the wolves. It'll be trial by fire, but I think he's got enough good heads surrounding him to where um, that transitioning into an NBA starter won't be as big of a deal. If he does come off the bench, I think his first big breakout game, he starts after that. Gotcha. 
All right, guys, we have reached that point of the show where we have reached the shout outs and the shout ats. Guys, what you got this week? Uh, shout out. I'm, I'm, I got a shot at. I'm a shot at. I'm a shot at uh, Max Kellerman. You stole uh, my shout at, but go ahead. Michael Jordan's the Michael Jordan, the owners. Dude, you have a mother freaking Knicks fan. Stop it. Just stop it these- immediately. You have all the advantages at your fingertips, and you can't put together a competent team. Who, who, who did who did the NBA call to help smooth them over that Charles Oakley situation? They call MJ. Yeah, <laughs> like like just just, just kind of just, just stop. Max Kellerman, watch some basketball. Kaza, what you got? Um, my shout out is gonna go. I'm gonna uh, actually pick PJ Walker. Um. Because to come into the the NFL, a tough sport, and play the way that you played your very first NFL start and get a win, yeah. uh, I think says says a lot uh, for him. Uh, I I really hope to see him again. I I hope. I mean, of course, we'd like to see Teddy get healthy, but I'd like to see him push Teddy. Um, and I really think it's been a while since there's been a quarterback competition yeah, yeah yeah within the Carolina Panthers and I'd like to see one develop between PJ um and Teddy I think that would be really really good for the team moving forward especially since we won't be getting Trevor Lawrence um <laughs> the, the Jets are gonna get Trevor Lawrence so you, you that you, you can't get that bad <laughs> yeah so so um I, I look I Riley stole my shout out but I'm gonna do it anyway I'm shouting I'm shouting at Max Kellerman Max, Max Kellerman, ask yourself a question. Who has the longer playoff drought? The Knicks or the Hornets? Ask yourself this question. Who has the bigger market but still can't get free agents to come play for them? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself who has had a better record over the last 15 years. Ask yourself that question. Max Kellerman, you are an aficionado when it comes to boxing. Your mind when it comes to boxing is top-notch. But you are also proof that you don't need to ever talk about basketball again. Your <laughs> owner is James Dolan, for God's sakes. James Dolan has screwed up meetings with Kevin Durant. Okay? Jay, your owner has been involved in drafting Frank Nilakina. Okay? Your owner is involved with the absolute worst record in the last 15 years. Please tell me again how Michael Jordan is the Michael Jordan of bad owners. Stop it immediately. Just stop it. What did they get for Porzingis? Um, I think a box of uh, now and laters and some red Kool-Aid, I believe. And some peanuts, too. Some and peanuts. some peanuts. Nothing that's going to help them matter in the next 10 years. So anyway, guys, we have a new segment. And I know this show is running a little long today because we had so much to talk about. It's guys, a special week, yeah. It's a special So. Whoever's watching, listening, and and got and shout out to the people in the chat room again, man. Y'all have the chat room is jumping again this week. Shout out to y'all, man. But we have a new segment that we want to do really quickly because I know we've kind of been long winded this week. If you are following the show, following the podcast, following the crew, we have a telephone number of 704-981-1747. I don't have time to play all of these today. I'm going to play you one. Well, I play maybe two. Kaiser, Rodney, uh, 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 you probably know who this is. <laughs> let's let's roll. This is our first voicemail that we're ever playing on this show. 
Nothing. Can't hear anything? No. All right. That failed. Next next uh, caller. Hold on. <laughs> What's up? This is T. Martin hitting you out of the Queen City. You know what it is. Just want to say, y'all enjoy the show tonight. The coverage is great. It's steadily increasing the knowledge, the information, the, um, the opinions. Everything is coming along. Excellent, fellas. Keep up the good work. Keep it strong. I'll be here supporting you, and I'm sure it's just going to continue to grow. Much success. All right. Let's see if we can roll with the next one. Let's try it again. It's not what when you don't have an iPhone? <laughs> he came. Travis Kearns in the house, man. Uh, looks like the culture of Charlotte sports are about to change for the better. Um, Panthers look like they're about to win the day. Uh, At least today. Coming. We got uh, the signing of the Mellow Ball and Jordan. Hey, Jordan investing in NASCAR, man. Got his own team. So I think we're about to have some good times with Charlotte, man, in the Carolinas, man. So. Hey, love the show. You both a good work, fellas. All right. Yep. The culture is changing. I got a question for the other construction gang. What do you call a platoon sandwich? <laughs> the sandwich is so big, you got to eat it. Your stomach going to blow up. Who gave him our number? Shout out to Jerry B. We got to get that show, man. All right, shout out to Jerry V, man. That's all I'm going to play for this week, man. I'll play some more next week, but... Hold on, man. I know we're running along, but there's one thing we forgot to mention. What? He's gone. Nick Batum... Wait, time out. Time out. Time out. quite know yet. Not yet. Look, it's not official yet, but let me let me let me make something clear. When it becomes official, I may do like a, a special edition of Under Construction. <laughs> not not only that, but I want you guys to meet me on the corner of Trade and Tryon, so I can organize a parade for Nick Batum leaving the Charlotte Hornets. It's uh, it's almost official, guys. We're almost at the finish line. Speaking of almost the finish line, there. almost there. Almost official, man. But speaking of the finish line, man, we're out of time today, man. I'm going to play some more voicemails next week. We'll have some more stuff to talk about. Maybe we'll be talking about a, a, a potential trade for the Charlotte Hornets. Who knows? Hopefully, we'll be talking about a victory for the Panthers, man. But thank you, everybody, for uh, watching, listening, tuning in. Spe thank you for the voicemails. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>